0: Oh, and welcome to the Dicer Screaming Podcast coming at you recorded. Oh, that's really deep, uh, meaty. The, the dice is sick. That's today. like dice death metal. <laughs> 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 Rusty meat yeah, crawling yeah. <laughs> uh, across a factory floor that only produces sparks.
1: Yeah, yeah. Very industrial, very proto metal.
0: Uh, yeah. Doom metal dice oh, scream. Yeah. Uh. Oh, so we hope you're doing all right. It's Tuesday, Topic Tuesday. We have a topic for you tonight. We're going to review some, a game that we uh, both love. Uh, we were conflicted. There's so much going on in the world, but we're saving uh, something
1: else for Freeform uh, Friday when it when it's more appropriate to do an open discussion. Uh, but we're, we're going to stick with Topic Tuesday. Yep. We're going to we're just hit a game we
0: love and know. All right, we're going to go with what we know. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to uh, just make a little, as you mentioned before, a little clap back to some bad news. Uh, we touched on Friday that uh, Rick Loomis, uh, his GoFundMe, but um, you probably already know that by now that Rick Loomis has passed away, passed away, as I understand it, early Saturday. So it just happened like literally hours after we had done our podcast. So Yeah, uh, apparently his... Uh heart was not quite in good enough shape
1: to handle chemotherapy uh, and treatment. So, yeah, he was
0: suffering from lymphatic
1: cancer. But... And it, yeah, it, he had been through this before, and confidence was high that he could probably get through this, but
0: that was incorrect. As sometimes happens, it, it is just a thing. But yeah. rest in peace, Rick. And we have a lot to thank you for. I found out some nice things about him that he was probably one of the first people to commercially buy a computer for the use of gaming to process nuclear war turns and send them out. Yeah, this was in the
1: days of play-by-mail uh, where obviously you didn't need overwhelming processing power, but you had a lot to keep track of. Right. And so the creation of uh, you know, simple algorithms or spreadsheets, things like those... Uh, could be simplified by a home computer. <clears throat> Not to mention, uh, those were rare as hen's teeth in the day. Yes, they so were. Very few players uh, had computers. In fact, uh, we we can recall uh, our junior high library had one. That was the total number of small computers in our school. Uh, yeah, and this
0: was like a dec- almost ten years afterwards. So. Wow. Yeah, this guy was doing it. Uh, he also uh, was responsible for uh, bringing out the Tunnels and Trolls uh, role-playing game, the second printing, underneath, uh, I believe it was, yeah, Flying Buffalo. It was Flying Buffalo at the time. And, the early Flying uh, Buffalo days. But As well as uh, other games. And he also wrote uh, Buffalo Castle, the first solo adventure, before oh. there were even the little game books. So good on him. Um, an innovator, and you uh, will be missed, Rick, so... Um, yeah, happy trails to you, Ombre. Uh, we're going to miss you, but uh, thank you for the legacy you left behind. And hopefully, Blind Buffalo will continue on. Uh, and there's some speculation what's going to go on, but I'm not going to get into all that. We'll find no, out, No, no, we'll... we'll uh, if, if
1: news is released regarding that, I'm sure we can...
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure things will resolve in their own way, so... But, uh, yeah, that was a little bit of a somber note, so... Yeah, uh you know, farewell, Mr. Loomis.
1: Thank you for all of your contributions to the terrific games we enjoyed so much. Uh, in in your way, you were part of a time and a place that was almost magical because it was like the Wild West. Uh, so many characters came out of that time mm-hmm. that uh, there was no easy format for people to follow if you wanted to be in, in the game creation biz. It was not overwhelmingly profitable. You had to do it because you loved it. And most of the time, you had no idea how to do it until you went and tried. Mm-hmm. And these were people who went and tried anyway. That is what makes it admirable.
0: <coughs> All right. So, uh, well, with that little moment, um, Joe Richter also called in. and uh, Oh, an equally sad
1: event. Oh, oh yeah,
0: that's I'm, terrible. I'm, <laughs> it's just it's awful. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I, yeah, I, I yeah, I laughed, Joe Richter. I laughed. I'll, I cried. Yeah. Gave us a message. It's like watching beaches. So we're going to go ahead and uh, turn to that, and we'll be right back after this small break. What's up, boys? That was a great episode. But I'm just calling in to say that I think you were a little remiss in not mentioning how electronics can help people with disabilities play the game. You said that having a pen and paper is all you need, but that's not true. You need to be able to see... You need to be able to move. You may need to be able to hear. So electronics do a lot and has opened the game for many, many people. And as so often forgot, disabled people should be a part of the community. And so without technology, personally, I wouldn't be running games. So, you know, it's often forgotten. And I don't hold you guys, you know, I don't hold it against you or anything. But anyway, that's enough for me. Peace out.
1: Hello Joe. Uh, that is an outstanding point to include. Uh, we really were, our favorite word, remiss. remiss. Uh, we absolutely were remiss. Accessibility for people is a huge leap forward. That technology has it just delivered so many bonuses. It's made so much possible for people who might have experienced inconveniences or limitations at the table uh, and it's just swept those away so having these really adaptive technologies has overall been a plus but it's been a huge plus for the people who are suddenly able to make greater use of playtime and you know uh, and join in the fun uh, when once upon a time, they could not. Uh, or if they could, it was hampered by a great deal and now hampered by far less. So I, I gotta I gotta give a shout out. That one is a worthy point. There has been a change in what is possible for a group of players. Uh, you know if you if you are worried about being inclusive to someone who uh, was in some way hampered, Uh, From, you know, table play in the past, uh, be it visual or hearing, uh, certain texts have just leaped this forward. Uh, Exampling, like, the magnification capacities on phones uh, that, you know, allow alteration of text. Like, literally, you almost, you're screening it through your phone and it's blowing it up like a magnifying glass, and it's all one device, you know. Uh, Also, text-to-voice mode. Has finally reached the point where uh, communications devices are able to literally just include people who are uh, blind uh, mm-hmm. and convert their words to text. Uh, communications is just at an all-time high and only getting better every year.
0: So, yeah. yeah,
1: that was not a that was not a topic that we had really touched
0: on. No, and it's but important to know. Note- remiss. It's important to note that in our days, that uh, we're mostly coming from guys who don't suffer from a whole lot of impairments. So no, that no. you know, it's not like we're trying to be like we're ableists. and no, we're not uh, trying to hurt anybody.
1: Although uh, there,
0: but it's always good to be reminded.
1: I don't know. We're barely able at the best of times. Yeah, I can't uh.
0: string two sentences together without hemming and hawing. So uh, it's in the best of times. You don't think about those things, but it's important to know, and it's important to give other people their due and also acknowledgement. And uh, so, thanks a lot, Joe, for bringing us to task on that, and also reminding us and how important that technology is for a lot of people to be included in this hobby. So, good on you, man. Thank yeah, my you. my irritation
1: with uh, the distraction potential aside, which I mean, I I'm a little more hawkish about that uh, in recent years, based on experience at the game table. Uh, my hawkishness about that aside, I am not I'm not intimidated to the point where I don't think it has a place at the table. I I see it as a part of the future that just cannot be dodged. Right. These techs are here to stay, and they do some things that are so important that I don't think that we should be trying to chase them out entirely. Uh, that is just the curb of the future. And, hey... There's no telling what crazy stuff it's going to bring next. That's uh, right. You know, interactive holographic adventures, uh, partially programmed by both the DM and the players. Yeah, just, we might Just saying, touch. how cool would that be? And have I just predicted the future here? Yeah, I have.
0: Futurist Mike. I think I just... Uh, I would like the tabletop component to remain, but that's just kind of like me and self-driving cars. I just... I'll never trust something that I can't control, so...
1: Yeah, I... You know, <laughs>
0: you know. I know that it'll probably be a thing, and that's just me, and uh, I'm well known that, but uh, at the same time... I will finally live out Red Barquetta by Rush. Ha, 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 But, um, yeah, thanks for that, Joe, and uh, so we're going to get on with our main topic here, as we eat up some more time, and uh, get on with our duties as being dutiful advertisers to Anchor. So stick yes. around, and we'll be back with some topic. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. And we're back, so thanks for sticking around. Um, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, tonight's topic is we're reviewing an old game. Uh, well, it's still around. It's called Deadlands. And yeah. if you didn't know about Deadlands, well, Woo! you should.
1: Well, uh, it's... I this... mean, I
0: can talk about Deadlands. Yeah. Can you? I mean, I can. I, I don't... I, I don't. Okay, all right, let's talk about Deadlands. All right, all right, yeah.
1: Uh, we We could... Refuse to talk about Deadlands, but we're not going to. Uh, when do we ever?
0: Uh, yeah, we don't. We don't keep our mouth ma- no, yeah, shut. Nobody
1: hits the silent. Nobody hits the mute option in this this club here. Okay, uh, Deadlands was not one of the early early games, uh, circa seventies, circa eighties. Okay, this was the nineties, so it it came a little late to the fold. Uh, it had the signal difference of amongst these late games, also not being from one of the huge, well-recognized companies at the time. Uh, It was a group of up-and-comers who, right around the era of 3rd edition, uh, and
0: kind of the the second golden age of gaming. uh, Yeah, I guess we're going to put... In the retrospect the Golden Age would be the white box set and the uh Yeah, that's
1: the first the golden silver age. age
0: would be like uh the basic expert uh, mold base set. This would be the bronze age of gaming where you had not only just vampire coming in, um, whether you think that's pretentious or not. No, I no, think the, it's a, it a, a, was a marked, sensation, it's a thing that happened. So and we should then, totally uh, acknowledge that. Which we will in another podcast. And I'm not uh, gonna it. Dis- spoiler alert. Um, Yeah, we will be talking about Vampire at some point. Um, Oh, it'll happen. Trust. But here's a game that came out during the independent spree where um, there was an opening. It was kind of a little bit around the time of the collectible card craze, which will wrap it up. But, yeah,
1: we'll we'll hit back to that a little bit
0: uh, further on. But it's in that early 93, 94 era where, you know, some things are changing in the industry. But a role-playing game is still something you published. And... A game company called Pinnacle Entertainment uh, came out with their flagship product, which was Deadlands. And according to Shane Hensley, the guy who headed the company, um, he got it from looking at a Bram, a Brom, excuse me, Bram, Brom uh, poster of what was called Undead Confederate Soldier.
1: Yes, B R O M, uh, the idea of the undead gunfighter lodged in his skull. And he thought, I totally need to invent a game that lets you play an undead gunfighter.
0: Take my money, please. (laughs) Yep, and so Bra made this uh, picture during Gen Con. Apparently Shane had seen it, and then he went back and wrote a game about it. Now, that's kind of the legend and the mystique about it. Also, he was suffering from post-con crud and had a fever, and he's seen all this unfold. So we're just gonna get right into deadlands. What it was. It was the Weird West. Now not like uh the uh Will Smith movie Weird Wild Wild West or whatever it was. Oh, hints of that. Well, oh. yeah, it had hints in well, right. it. Giant spider. Alright, if that hadn't sucked. Did you uh, know that the spider was the most voracious predator in the animal kingdom? Ah, uh, all right. I I know the the meme of which you speak. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, all right. Uh Deadlands was everything that Wild Wild West could have been had it not been written by a hack.
0: Uh, yeah, um, so undead gunfighters. So basically, during the Battle of Getty, Gettysburg, something happened, and the dead got up on the battlefield and started fighting, and all out of the living. And so, like, literally, it was kind of like a zombie apocalypse. So the Civil War reached a stalemate and never reconciled. So it still kind of continues that there's a north and a south. That's the setting. And that both sides kind of realized that there was a more sinister power at work here. and All of a sudden, everybody's focus
1: was on uh, competing against this, you know, uh, well, the the powers of undeath, uh, you know, powers of extra planes, you know, the damage done when strange creatures begin to erupt into the modern world uh, fueled by whatever you know mystical presence has uh, caused their outbreak uh, think you know shadow run meets the outlaw judge well yeah the, the
0: unleashing of the dead walking literally is almost a biblical event and that the, the hungry type of dead kind of the walkers from the walking dead where they just eat your brain kind of undead yeah. not, not cool one or two, not really a big threat if you know what you're doing or are semi well armed, but in large groups are extremely hard to deal with. So, like Boot Hill wasn't bad enough. Yeah, you took Boot Hills and you just kind of rubbed some uh, old tent revival um, revelations type crap in there, and then also rubbed in some uh, zombie apocalypse and other horrors, even a little bit of Lovecraftian cosmic horrors things oh, sure. from beyond. As well as just the typical stuff. But magic, in Mm -hmm. a way, also seemed to temp up-tempo during this time. And, we'll get into that, but also a strange rock called Ghost Rock could fuel strange and fiendish new devices. Led by the premier scientist of the day, Dr. Hellstrom. Mm -hmm. And so into this, you have the return of magic, which is not always good. It's not your...
1: Happy yeah, this, time this, f- magic. This is not your, uh, you know, perky little uh, convenient magic that does what you tell it to when you tell it to. Uh, it's more like a poorly controlled force. Uh, you know, it as terrifyingly powerful as the harnessing of the atom and yet not anywhere near uh, predictable enough to be safe. So you can use it, but it, it's there are drawbacks that come with it. There are
0: risks that are taken. Oh, yes. And also, strange new science which, you know, apparently uh, Dr. Hellstrom introduces to the war effort to revitalize it and keep his industries going. The clockwork minions that are actually powered by the brains of the once living. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just disposable walking tin cans of your kind of steampunk-esque Spewing ghost rock fumes and stomping around firing uh gatling guns powered by ghost rock steam, yeah, just uh, just ripping each uh, other apart. So, you had a really great game setting right off the bat. So, you're like, there's there's so much there that is weird, and I mean,
1: you know, when you consider that it's essentially uh, people uh, 150 years ago suddenly presented with a mixed blessing and threat that refocuses all their attention uh, so you you've got the the typical things of
0: that era the
1: you know rancher versus farmer and uh, you know, rail barons. Rail and barons and uh, industrialized you know,
0: cities with that uh, are becoming a literal hell on earth um, you know
1: bandits uh, you know at, at every t- corner and you know places where the law and order wears a little thin Uh, But you've got all those things, and then you have all of this weirdness
0: thrown in at the same time. So it it just, it had it all going on. It, It was a melange, and to further extrapolate, the North and South had different ways to hide it, or to talk about the events of the dead walking around and other strange beings suddenly appearing out of nightmare and horror. One of the ways was in the South. They commissioned the Texas Rangers to oversee all things supernatural. Yeah, by oversee, what they mean is to quell, crush, and
1: or eliminate, uh, and then silence any discussion of after the fact, officially denying that anything weird happened.
0: Yep, they were like, "What happened here was is, uh, <coughs> somebody got some wild coyote got out of hand and yeah, and mutilated an entire town." Oh yeah, that's totally. Uh, weird. It was a very big coyote. Whereas the Texas Rangers have a kind of open secret, in the North, the men in black, the Pinkertons. Black trench coats, derbies. Nope. Yes. Pinkerton service. They agents. just came in and eliminated the threat and eliminated anybody who saw it or knew too much. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not pretty. Very men in black esque, but uh, dark turn. You know,
1: they don't just neuralize you.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah, they didn't have neuralizers, but. You know, if you could, if you were an asset, you would be recruited. If not, you were be disposed of. And so into that, you go further to the west, where things are happening really fast out there. The and the
1: gap in law enforcement means that some things are you know, getting through the. Uh, they're getting through the cracks, you know.
0: Yeah. So you took your typical. Uh, mo- is I said earlier, it's a melange of the westerns, as well as the creepy horror, as well as the undead. And and, thrown uh, in with a dash of
1: steampunk and shithulu.
0: Yeah, it's just... Shake it up and spill it out and that's what you got deadline.
1: So it's like taking some pop rocks and pouring them into a Diet Coke and then banging it on the table.
0: So you might be playing a sheriff of a town (laughs) and you might be a 10th revival preacher who suddenly finds himself empowered with the fury of righteousness of the Old Testament into his cudgel.
1: Yeah, fire and brimstone preacher suddenly he's got
0: Fire and brimstone preacher powers. Yeah. Drive back the end. Because if the, uh, the, da- the powers of darkness have risen, so be too behind
1: have behind me, Satan!
0: So too have new powers arisen to stop them. And also the Native American folk, with their long staying traditions of the spirits, have ability to command them, to channel them into helpful and useful ways that other people seem to ignore nowadays. Yeah,
1: that uh, you know... Uh, most cultures, the religions or religious basis of all cultures everywhere was sort of uh, incorporated and respected that, you know, true believers from any background uh, might find
0: themselves able to express a power over the spiritual. And in including martial artists And found in themselves infused with an, a new expression from their spiritual path. So you had super powerful kung fu martial artists flying across with ghost rock Fueled trains with (laughs) witches flying around, literally, and all kinds of creepy monsters from nightmare and myth like vampires and Nosferatu to, uh, you know, your werewolves stalk the desert. Hangin' judges.
1: Oh, the hangin' judges. Uh, Yeah, the
0: Nazgul, these robed, two-gun pistol-packing judges who came by and just judged all the living. Uh, And And their only sentence was, Death.
1: Yeah, and uh, by the way, as far as they're concerned, everybody's guilty of something.
0: That's Uh, right.
1: Yeah, bad news. Nobody wants to meet a hanging judge.
0: Uh, Yeah, that was some bad news stuff. But you could also be the strangest character, and the most original one I've ever seen in a role-playing game, was the Huckster. Now, this was a person who found a way to deal with the wild ways of magic by offering them a game a chance with its own set of rules and boundaries.
1: And the mythos in the game was that... uh, the Rules According to Hoyle was not, in fact, a mere book of how to play a variety of games of chance, but was to the learned and initiated a secret manual instructing one in the arts of magic, uh, the, the mathematical calculations necessary to manipulate chance uh, and to invoke magical power, with some risk, but reducing it to an orderly fashion. Uh.
0: Yes, which basically puts dealing with sorcery rather than a contrived spell, there's following the rules of Hoyle. These are beings that are compelled to obey certain laws of the exchange for your soul. And it was possible by dealing... Your, how you cast a spell was dealing yourself a hand of cards and playing it out. Now, if you got a full straight, hey, that spell went really well. If you got nothing you would not only take damage, but your very soul could be imperiled, and they would rip your soul right out of your living body.
1: Yeah, if you attempted an extremely powerful spell and botched it, uh, you might very well lose your character at that moment. Yep. Uh, Now, if you attempted a very simple spell and botched it, not the end of the world, oh, that stings a little. Ah.
0: Yep, you would take some soul backlash, but yeah, you know, hurting and bruised and a little delirious. But every time you cast a spell, you never knew what the exact result was going to be, which made it unique. And also, you played the game with poker chips to, and turn, in for, to turn in for your cards for initiative. So it was very Wild west Yeah, in centric. addition to, I mean, the, let's see now, there was a nominal
1: presence of dice.
0: Oh, there was lots of dice, yeah. yes. Lots you know, the, and lots. Of but dice. it was not
1: the... Only system by which things were resolved, and that's what made this unique. I mean, to to move on to phase two here and hit some of the mechanics that made Deadlands unique when we first saw it played, and which made it a must-have. Where we were like, "Take my money! Shut up! Give yeah. me this! I must! I literally, I've been waiting for this my entire life! Get away from me!" Me? Yes, my precious. Uh, you know, just we ran off with that and had a great time immediately, because unique mechanics and one of them was the presence of poker chips and poker cards uh, in addition to your dice and your pen and your paper you would you know break up a everybody should have their own deck of cards uh, properly shuffled of course and they should also have uh, assigned a reasonable number of poker chips of
0: All three varieties. Yeah, you would draw chips from the poker pot. And then your white ones were the cheap ones, with uh, blue being the top ones. And you would turn those in for special actions during the game. White, you could deflect a little bit of damage. A red chip, you could flip it into the pot and maybe change a roll or re-roll something. But a blue chip allowed you to actually do and affect the game at a higher level, provided you still succeeded. So...
1: Yeah, it could buy you a real serious other chance to succeed,
0: whereas like a white chip, you're
1: know, like that's like a plus one, one time only. Yep, couple Kirk.
0: extra uh, bonus dice or a little less damage, and uh,
1: you know red, uh, much more.
0: Relevant. Yeah, uh, a little bit more. Uh, adding not only just one or two dice or a mod- excuse me, a modifier, but adding a couple extra dice, and then a the blue, of course. You know, you could get some more out of that, save your bacon from being run over by a ghost train or <laughs> uh, stomped on by one of Dr. Hellstrom's uh, constructs. Yeah, if you wanted a narrow miss in a very critical Okay, sorry about that. Had a little edit problem there, but we're back. So we were talking about the chips, and yeah, you know, you could add your keep your chips uh, on for future use, or you could keep them for experience points, you know, whatever you used, or and- use them during play.
1: Yeah, the, the parameters for awarding dice or uh, chips to players were
0: covered in the basic rule book. Yeah, doing so if, things consistent with your character, your back, if you. if the,
1: Yeah, staying true to your background and character type, okay? The strength of your role playing. If you were. If, say, for instance, you're running a preacher who is a fire and brimstone preacher and a true believer, and you run around being horribly sinful all the time, uh, you're probably not going to get a lot of favors from your DM.
0: Yeah, and you had a disadvantage, so if the uh, if you played to your disadvantages, now, you got a chip if the uh, the marshal, the game master, which is called the marshal, went ahead and activated one of your flaws, then you also got a chip.
1: Like a uh, predilection to whiskey. You know, if you're a drunkard, and your character has trouble staying away from the bar every time you go in town, and yeah, you should be focusing on the mission, but... Oh, I can smell it. I can smell it from here. I'm going to the saloon. I can't help it. Uh, you know, you actually got a chip for that. Okay, not if you were if you were in a position where it would disadvantage your character. This actually gave you an opportunity to yeah, play it true to the nature of the character, get some rewards for it. So it was yep. not it was not worthless roleplay. Roleplay. It came along with benefits that you could tangibly cash in later in the game.
0: Yeah, and it made it for a unique and novel approach to a lot of the problems in role-playing games where you just buy flaws and you conveniently forget about them until somebody reminds you of them or the game master catches you napping on your extra bonus points.
1: Yeah, like, uh, you know, uh, hey, I thought your character was uh, one-legged and now, of course, uh, we're in the movement phase of the game. Have we suddenly forgotten that you only move at, like, half speed?
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, Yeah, I have a phobia of the dark, but I'm the first one rushing into the dark room to catch... Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, not in this game, you know. If you want those bonus uh, XP chips, if you want those chips to cash in, both for experience later in the game or for uh, improved action opportunities during the game, well,
0: you got to play it as it's written. All right, that very first edition it. It, and the second edition was uh a little bit more substantial, but it put into effect that you use cards to create your character you actually drew kind of a small solitaire hand and then built your character out of that yeah and it, then this uh, is
1: not like a you know five card stud where you could easily wind up uh, so short on points that you know you, your character is terrible uh, no this is more like a big solitaire hand where uh you kind of got to do a little give and take, and oh, it adds up to most people having a very solid chance at a character that is not only reasonable, but at least has a few key points that they can select that are strong suits. Like uh, if you're trying to focus on a gunfighter, then you invest your best cards in those gunfighting skills. Yeah, it's
0: it's just another way of point <laughs> allocation or prioritizing. <laughs> Pardon me, but uh, you also had a lot of. Uh... The typical uh, shootouts, you used a more dramatic system for certain types of combat than others, just fighting mooks like a bunch of uh, hungry dead walking up on the perimeter of town, uh, killing everything in their path. Well, yeah, you could gunpan them down, but you didn't need to know the super initiative. Whereas if you wanted to go and do a just two hard asses meet in the center of town, Sheriff, this town ain't big enough for the both of us, and you would have a different Form of initiative draw without using a deck of cards. Mister, you're leaving in a pine wood box. And so I had a lot of the stuff that went on with uh, normal stuff that you would do in uh, a Wild West or Boot Hill type setting game, but it also added a lot of supernatural elements that you normally didn't associate with that. Except if you use the crossover rules in the Dungeon Master's Guide. But, (laughs) you know... (laughs) This is the ultimate
1: byproduct of that uh, imagination. This
0: is like they went full throttle with it. And I'm not going to say... Some people get very upset in that community when you say that, oh, well, you know, you're just using six guns and sorcery out of the DM's Guide. No. It's a lot different than that. But there is so much
1: more on the bone than that. Okay. There is so much new material tucked in. So much inspiration from so many different corners uh from classic pulp fiction uh to the uh you know myths of Cthulhu uh, uh just yeah they they borrowed and cherry picked from practically every genre of science fiction fantasy including
0: tremors yeah, yeah there were yeah. those things the oh, burrowers. Yeah.
1: we had those too yeah um, oh boy was that a nightmare
0: oh giant mutant rattlesnakes mm-hmm. yeah i haven't forgotten that Yep, and along with the Herald. Now, the Herald were a special deal, and we'll uh, pretty much talk about that, the undead gunfighter. Now, some people are just too mean to bury and stay dead, and that's pretty much who the Manitou, or the spirits of the darkness, manifested in. Usually the most dangerous, ornerous gunfighter around. He would get back up and start walking and become almost an unkillable machine. And
1: here's the, here's the catch, okay? Uh, a Manitou could theoretically uh, not just awaken any corpse, okay? Uh, you know, some people are just dead. However, if there's a little spark there, the Manitou has an opportunity. Mm-hmm. If you've got a restless spirit, somebody who is just stubborn as hell in life, and there's a little whiff of them floating around, the Manitou are drawn to it. Now... The Manitou then tries to take over. And what marks the undead gunfighter not as a mere killing machine, but rather as a potential player character, is that they're so mean and so ornery that when an evil spirit crawls into their body and tries to resuscitate them and walk them around as their new boss, they fight with it. Oh, no, you don't! Uh, And by controlling the Manitou, the undead gunfighter is able to basically stand up and continue to walk the world. Uh, you know, so Buffalo Jane, the undead, uh, you know,
0: like they burned my farm. I will. I killed my and They shot my dog. I'm out for vengeance. Yep. She's yeah. coming and hell's coming with her. And she's
1: not stopping until the land baron that, uh, burnt their little home on the prairie is
0: in the ground himself. Yeah, you should uh, read my crib notes for Little House on the Prairie and during that time. it's really great. Um, <laughs> it little, doesn't end well. Um, yeah, just to just hint. <laughs> little House on the horror side of hills. The hills are alive. The hills have eyes. Little hell on the prairie. Yeah, little uh, hell on the prairie.
1: So, uh, <laughs> But, no, the point being that uh, driven by the Manitou, uh, here's the The dark side of that. Okay, now it sounds like a great deal coming out of the gate. You're like, undead gunfighter powered by an evil spirit that they've taken control of and that they're fighting? Uh, alright, yeah. I mean, it starts off pretty awesome there. But here's where it goes south. If there is an injury or a calamity so severe that it diminishes the undead gunfighter's capacity to control themselves, uh, like, for instance, uh, you know, Buffalo Jane is on her quest for revenge, uh, and somebody actually gets in a lucky shot, and it's a bullet to the brain pan, you know. Uh, and it's not the same as it would be for a regular human. It might have been totally fatal for them. But it, is it crippling enough that they temporarily lose control of the Manitou And it spirit? could also
0: be uh, parts of their personality that the evil spirit seeks to thwart or manifest itself in in delusions and sometimes stresses of the trauma that killed them.
1: Yeah, the Manitou takes control, and then the Marshal, or DM, decides how is this going to be expressed. Uh, And that can go horribly for the party, because the person who seemingly had been your ally up until that moment suddenly turns on you.
0: Yep, and just like in true zombie lore, the only way to stop them is to blow their head clean off or chop their head off. Yeah. That just... That's at that point... Total decapitation. Everything else is kind of just perfunctory. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm missing an arm. It'll grow back. Or I'll put it back on in a few minutes. Yeah. (laughs) I'll just pick that up and put it back on. I saw him in two. Well, it pulls itself together and, yeah. Mm -hmm. You're still going. So you were kind of unkillable, but the other thing was you were using those chips. You were cashing a lot of benefits and you had a big, hard time dealing with anything that might push you over the edge. Don't push me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Not fun uh, for
1: the players. I've seen it happen once at the table where Undead Gunfighter turned on the party in mid-combat and became the most dangerous threat in the room. Yep. Uh, In addition to the monster, which we were still fighting.
0: (laughs) Yep, and there's a lot of other stuff. uh, Some slightly satanic horror as well as some biblical kind of horror put it into there the uh, four horsemen were definitely a big thing in there the oh, doubles yeah. tower
1: classical mythology was included uh, in providing like great opposition for the players mm-hmm. or epic campaign scale level events where oh sure you started off fighting uh you know uh, mutant rattlers and stuff like that uh, but you've slowly been drawn into a web of evil plans where, you know, somebody's planning to reshape the entire West to their own designs. And, you know, they're not willing to, they'll stop at nothing to do it.
0: Wait, uh, this railhead has five intersecting lines that look like an upside-down pentagram? What's going on here? Ah, the Wichita witches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and
1: this was all, mind you, long before Supernatural.
0: Yeah, uh, so yeah. there was a whole melange of stuff. And I'm not going to say that there was anything... Uh, that people they weren't uh, like I'm original. Gonna, I'm
1: going to throw it out there that like the the guys who wrote for you know
0: Supernatural,
1: uh, it probably, very probably had some contact
0: with Deadlands gaming. Uh, yeah, a lot of you know they borrowed and were borrowed from as equally from as everyone else. But the big thing here about Deadlands is if you get a chance to play it in any of its incarnations, uh, it's in the print right now from the Savage Land stuff. It's still great stuff still using cards and chips get yourself out there and get yourself some shooting on get your shooting irons on and go out and blow up some walking dead creeping across the prairie
1: oh yeah uh, just try some wacky characters uh, it is the the shadow run of the old west uh, for my money it is uh there are variations of the game that you know I, I should at least give a cursory nod uh to pinnacles other
0: yeah there was hell on earth uh which was a post apocalyptic uh took place in that future the timeline weird west and the weird west and the now it was called the wasted west yeah the wasted west and with doom cultists and radioactive priests but that's kind of a cool one too it's also worth a look see um any of the pinnacle stuff from that era is just prime um we could go on about the martial arts supplement but we're kind of running on time yes. and we're just probably I, I, just I, uh just uh, too nostalgic about this to really be coherent at this stage.
1: Yeah, we, we can't be neutral about this. Uh, by way of emphasis, I mean, we've, we've covered the elementary facets of the game, the mythology that they, they kind of crafted for it, and the unusual mechanics that made it stand out from mm-hmm. other games. Because, uh, look, I already wear a cowboy hat, but this is the only game I've ever played where it was completely 100% appropriate for me to be wearing my old leather hat. Yeah, and we used to and, throw the
0: poker chips and have people draw from them in there. Yeah, That you know, this it was... It was the hat of luck.
1: Yep, the lucky hat. Authentically smells like nicotine. Dean's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dean yep. uh, But, indeed, that was the way the game was played. With chips and cards and, you know... Yeah, and a lot of good dice
0: you got to use your... And dice.
1: So, like, you know, I'm not robbed of one of my great gamer loves, you know, they're not depriving me of my dice. Oh, but rather, there are extra things included. Wait, a lot of die twelves, die
0: tens rolled with that game. Yeah, there was a lot. Of, they <laughs> used the whole assortment. You needed a lot of dice to play Deadlands. So that was kind of a cool thing. Yeah, you you probably didn't want to skate by with one of each, yeah. right? But as it is, we're uh, winding on our time here. So hopefully, we uh, <laughs> edited this properly so uh, it doesn't blow your drums up. And apologies if it does. <laughs> But nonetheless, uh, we appreciate you listening in and give us a little shout out here and there on the Anchor app if you got it, and if you don't, just uh, send us a message by way of our Facebook page, uh, Dicer Screaming Facebook page there, and of course, always getting a hold of us on Twitter at Death Hand Gaming and
1: oh, and uh, Magi Vox. And remember, you know you can expect no less uh, from the the
0: Lazy Eye of Gaming Podcast. That's right, we would have been remiss. Click click. If we didn't make fun of ourselves. (laughs) So, may you have a good night, and May the the Dice dice always roll in in your favor.
1: We're out. See ya!